Welcome to the Not Old Better Show Business Build-Out Interview Series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and today's show is brought to you by Brooklinen, the softest sheets you've ever slept in. We have a fantastic interview today with one of Forbes' 30 under 30 CEO and co-founder of Electric E-Bike, Levi Conlow. I'll introduce Levi Conlow in just a moment, but quickly... If you missed any episodes, last week was our 732nd episode when I spoke with Smithsonian Associate Dr. Andrew Lamb about his upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation titled, The Only Winner in War is Medicine. Two weeks ago, I spoke with Dr. Preeti Malani, clinical professor of geriatric medicine at the University of Michigan, and who was part of the research team who just released University of Michigan's National Poll on Healthy Aging. Excellent subjects for our Not Old Better Show audience. If you miss those shows along with any others, you can go back and check them out along with my entire back catalog of shows, all free for you there on our website, notold-better.com. You can Google Not Old Better and get everything you want to know about us. In the past two years, Ridership of e-bikes as a biking category grew by a whopping 240%, which made it the third largest cycling category in terms of sales revenue behind mountain bikes and children's bikes and ahead of road bikes, according to NPD Insights. This limitlessness has everything to do with the sheer interest in the environment, e-bike power, and just plain fun. The new and returning bicycle rider may be concerned with a range of objections to ride a non-e-bike again, the big hill, the long ride, and keeping pace with faster riders. Well, all of those, all of those issues and more are relieved by the pedal assist that you get from e-bikes. And once riders try an e-bike, most seem compelled by the fun of it. Literally <laughs> leading the way is our guest today, CEO and co-founder of the startup e-bike company, Electric E-Bikes. Levi Conlow is our guest today. Levi Conlow is just a joy to speak with. Levi's enthusiasm is infectious. Levi's story is inspiring. Levi will tell us about the early steps he took to get the company going, his ongoing innovations, specifically around the 60-plus age community, those of us here in the Not Old Better Show audience, the environment, which is important to Levi, and the power of e-bikes to influence our earth, and the fun of what's next for this growing company. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show business build-out interview series on radio and podcast, Levi Conlow. Levi Conlow, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, man. It's really great to talk to you. I'm just going to state right at the outset, I am electric e-bike owner. I love my bike and I love your story. And I want to just jump into this because it's inspiring. I know our audience is going to just draw a ton of inspiration from everything you're doing, including this wonderful product that you've got out there. But let's let's start maybe at the start because you have this, this really interesting tie-in um, – with a family member's involvement, you're one of four boys in your family. I know your mom and dad were interested at one point in e-bikes. Your dad was an investor. That's all cool stuff for my audience. But maybe take us take us back to the start of, of electric e-bikes and, um, you know, kind of what all that meant, you know, in founding yeah, sure. early days. Totally. So 
when I go back, you know, it, the original version of electric was actually an electric skateboard company that I started in my dorm room in college. And I was selling these electric skateboards. I was 19 years old, uh, going over to China. Actually, my mom was so worried about me going the first time to China to set up sourcing that she made my dad come with me and basically chaperone me, even though I was <laughs> technically an adult. Uh, but you know, so that was a cool dorm room project and it was actually semi successful in the, Three years that I did it in college, you know, did about a million dollars worth of these electric skateboards. We were really at the forefront of this hub motor technology, which came with a lot of excitement, but a ton of challenges. Um, but, you know, as I was doing it, I kind of lost a little bit of the, the love for it because I think mm. as I matured, I became a lot more focused on like transportation rather than mm. just like a hobby. And I wanted to like tackle car miles and I really wanted to be able to say that I was actually like impacting the way people moved and commuted rather than just being a fun thing that, you know, college kids would get to rip around on campus. So I, I kind of took a step back from that and wanted to figure out something new. And it was my parents who really, uh, you know, insisted that I at least look at e-bikes. You know, my parents selfishly just wanted me to do that because they both wanted um, electric bicycles. So they were not in, interested in spending $3,000 because they're not cyclists, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they did not want to spend $3,000 on an electric bicycle. Uh, so they were hoping I could just create some prototypes, make them for them, and maybe I can make a business out of it as well. So um, what I did is I created my co-founder, um, Robbie, who was a childhood friend of mine to help me think through this electric bicycle thing. So he made the first prototype. And while he did that, I made like the business plan and the case, the business case for it. And as I, you know, started to look into it, it became very apparent that this is going to scratch the itch I need. You know, the, the bicycle is the single most efficient form of transportation and the motorized bicycle, the electric bicycle is the single most efficient form of motorized transportation. And so I would, I love efficiency. Uh, and uh, so that was one thing that was really interesting to me. But then when I looked at the global market, it was like, wow, this is really you know, this is a real opportunity where it's vastly underserved here in the U.S. and those that exist here in the U.S. are just simply way overpriced. So it was like this, this could be something. So he creates the prototype. I create the business plan and business case. And so what I kind of left out is my electric skateboard company completely <laughs> failed at the end and I ended up losing all my money on it. That's uh, a story for another day. Yeah. So I have no money to start this thing. <laughs> so what do you do? You call your parents. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> thank goodness. I yeah. I, I, uh, our family didn't really come from much wealth. You know, my, my dad was at the rate to probably continue working until he was 70 or something. And so, um, and especially being the youngest of four boys, you know, there's, there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. So I told my parents I needed, you know, $40,000 to do this. And so my dad took a loan, a line of credit uh, against our house. He said it was for like home improvements or something. So he gives me the $40,000 and I'm 
and we go and create our first batch of bikes and everything. And it was just a disaster. It was so poorly, uh, executed our product design wasn't as dialed or focused as it needed to be you know the customer appetite for our first version it was it just wasn't there people weren't interested it was it looked like a normal bike and it had the same you know diamond frame and uh 26 inch wheels and it was higher up so a lot of people couldn't get on it and those that got on it weren't very comfortable and so it's like we completely butchered it and so I think we only sold about like maybe two of those a month when we first got them and we needed to sell through over a hundred. Uh, and so definitely started to feel the pressure that I had just screwed up my dad's uh, retirement. Oh. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So fortunately, you know, we decided to take down notes and figure out, all right, what can we do to, you know, write this. And what we did is we took down all the customer feedback. They wanted something that was just more convenient to place into their life. They didn't want to have to get a bike rack in order to transport it around. They didn't want to assemble it if it showed up at their doorstep. You know, they, and that kind of sent us to the, this thing needs to be foldable and needs to arrive fully assembled. Hmm. What we realized was size was a huge problem. So we had to shrink it down, try to bring down our stand over height and, you know, that brought us to the 20 inch tires. But mm-hmm. then, you know, one of the big things is people just were always intrigued about going really fast and really far. And that was something that we had to kind of pioneer on our own because there was a big price gap between class three performance and where we wanted to price this thing. So we actually had to work on our motor um, ourselves for a good little while. But what we were able to achieve was a class three, 28 mile per hour e-bike under a thousand dollars. We were the first to ever do it by, well, the next option at that point was at about $2,000. So we did it for half the price and we ran the whole thing off a 48 volt system. So, you know, our range was longer than anything else kind of priced similarly. And so we redesign it. We create another prototype and it's like, okay, this is it money. I go, I call my dad and I'll forever remember this conversation. I asked him, <laughs> how would you like to lose 10,000 more dollars? And he, he told me I had already screwed things up and he said, let's go for it. Oh yeah. And those, uh, that $10,000 paid for, you know, about a dozen, um, prototypes to get created. But then we also built our website, got a little video made and, but we had no money for inventory. So then we just launched it to, uh, our, uh, on our own website on pre-order. So we asked people to pay 100% upfront and it was just, it, it was such a wild thing to ask of customers to have that much confidence in us. But the way we were able to kind of capture uh, some confidence from people was we sent out bikes to real world reviewers and we just let the product speak for itself. And mm-hmm. we sent out about 10 of those bikes. And, you know, in the very first day we sold 30 bikes and we sold 30 bikes every day for the next week. And then on the seventh day, we sold a hundred bikes that day. And within the first three weeks we had already sold, you know, a thousand bikes. And, you know, it was, it was like, Oh my goodness, thank God we're going to be able to pay my dad back. And like, (laughs) this is actually going to be a real company. (laughs) And so that's like the, 
you know, the initial snowball creation. Um, but there's all sorts of stories, you know, following that where, you know, Robbie and I, we were actually working out of our friend's garage. We were renting it for $300 a month. And the first five months of the company, we're doing a thousand to 2000 bikes in, in sales. And we're just in this tiny little garage. My dad actually quit his job, uh, and moved to the team full time. And we were trying to provide like 24 seven, uh, customer support. So my dad, you know, on the older side naturally just wakes up at like 4am. And when Robbie and I started this, we were, I think both 23. So we were already staying up till one or 2am normally. (laughs) So we were able to like provide customers with this full holistic, uh, full supported approach. And yeah, man, there's just tons of crazy (laughs) stories in there. Um, and you can have your picking, but that's kind of the initial launch of, uh, of electric. That's such a great story. And all of these stories are wonderful. Congrats again on on all that you're doing. Yeah. And, and for your folks too, you know, moms are are normally a, a skeptical bunch. Your dad just jumped right in, but the confidence that they had in you says an awful lot about you. It says a lot about the company. And I wonder, I wonder who some of those early customers were because, you know, that you got some customer feedback from because, you know, you mentioned the 20-inch tire, the kind of the step-through nature of the bike. The bike just lends itself for my audience, you know, for those of us that are over age 60. And were some of those customers in in that demographic? Were they just kind of all over the map? What were you seeing early on? Oh, this was a great learning lesson. So our original design was definitely more for the millennial Mm -hmm. um customer and we completely missed on that but we were at a bunch of trade shows and trying to sell on craigslist doing everything we could and we didn't notice that those that were most interested in our product were seniors Mm -hmm. right so and and in particular rvers as well Mm -hmm. and so that was the big focus for us was like we got to make this fit into their lives we got to stop designing for ourselves and design completely for them but we can still add our fun futuristic flavor, our fun color scheme, mm-hmm. you know, our fun branding, but like functionally, let's make sure this works for a way wider audience than we had a, originally planned for. And so the very first YouTube reviewers that we worked with, uh, were a lot of RVers. Some of them were tech, but like one of our best reviewers that we had ever worked with was this guy, Bob Wells. And he is probably in his mid seventies. He's got a YouTube channel with a million subscribers, I wow. think. And he he kind of posts these vlog videos and we sent him a bike and he just posted a video. He he looks a little bit like Santa Claus and he's got a big old grin. He's riding the bike. And I think I sold a hundred bikes the day that video came out. Uh-huh. And so oh it kind of creates conversation. Um, but it was it was not until probably two years into the business that we did not see that age demographic start to come down. So it was, uh, I think at 1.70% of all of our customers were above the age of 65. Wow. And, um, I was working the phones, uh, for the majority of the first, you know, 12, 18 months of the company. And, uh, it wasn't unusual for me to be a customer's very first online purchase. Like they had never even bought on Amazon before, wow. but 
you know, they, they had heard about us and they were so excited about the product that they were willing to take the leap to a, a D to C company and have a ship a bike to their doorstep fully assembled. So it, it was a really cool period. And I think what was really nice uh, for us in those early days is customers gave us a ton of grace because it was a older clientele. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of patience. They had a lot of trust and they also had a lot of feedback. Um, so as things went wrong, as they inherently do in the early stages, mm-hmm. you know, customers would literally tell us, oh, you should weld it like this instead. Mm-hmm. Like they would give us real feedback on wow. product design, packaging, everything, because many of these people were retired in those fields. Um, and sometimes if something broke, they would just fix it and then send us a photo and be like, hey, this is how I fix this. Wow. So I the first 200 customers in particular, because they got their bikes way before everyone else, I feel forever in debt to them because A, they showed me a ton of patience, but B, they provided me a ton of feedback that really helped us become like a well-built product and delivery, you know, for the future to come. Mm-hmm. And interesting how you've embraced that kind of that senior marketplace, uh, you know, in terms of product offerings. Yeah, I want to talk about the electric trike because that that's such a great example here of a of a product that's specifically targeted to to this demographic to to my to my people to to my demographic. Sure. So I'm I'm curious, did that come about as you know customer research and feedback? Did that come about because you guys just realized that this this next step into this demographic was just going to be so blown up? You guys were just going to really sell a ton of bikes that a trike just was the logical direction to take. How did how did that product offering appear? Yeah. So we have a really simple way we do product development here is like, if they ask for it, we'll build it. Like Mm -hmm. it's, we, we came up with our first iteration, but then it was customer feedback that said, Hey, you should have a lower step through, Mm. you know, uh, design. So then we created that and then that became our number one seller. And then ever since then, we've just adopted this mentality of we'll launch a product or we'll do a review with a, a channel. And then what we do is we go into the comment sections, the, the Facebook groups, all of that. And we just read as much feedback as possible. And then we use that to drive product innovation. And so the trike was a product that had been heavily requested from the moment we created our bike. People had asked for training wheels. Mm. Uh, they, they wanted to get out there and get riding. And in the early days of electric, it was so hard to keep up. So in our first year in 2019, we did about um, 7,500, almost 8,000 bikes. The second year, we did about 30,000 bikes. Wow. So massive jump. Yeah. Uh, and then the year after that, we did 85,000 bikes. Gosh. And then the year after that, we did 150,000 bikes. Man. And a lot of it was without any additional product designs or whatever. It was just the flagship models. Um, so we were really just playing this game of catch-up. We were always out of stock and on pre-order, um, long waits. And it was like, whatever. But then once we finally got in stock, it was like, all right, let's get to some product design and everything. And one of the first projects we kicked off was the trike. So although it's our latest launch, it was Mm. the project we had worked the longest on. It was just the most frustrating to 
bring about. But no, we are very much dialed into what customers ask for. Um, and we try to be really mindful and, you know, focused on utility because I think the problem is, is in this, this is a very new market. Mm -hmm. And if you screw up your first impression with the customer, you could potentially just screw up the overall market, um, because they could have a sour taste in their mouth as in respect to e-bikes as a whole. And, we definitely feel that pressure. So, you know, in 2023, we are, you know, the U.S.'s largest supplier of e-bikes now. And that comes with a certain responsibility that, like, we need to nail it and provide really awesome product and service from the jump because hopefully this person is going to be buying e-bikes, not just from us, but from our competitors as well, until you know the end of their days and like that is something really important and special for just overall transportation needs but also our planet's needs and so like we we really try to care about that but so yes customers basically tell us exactly what they want and then we try to you know make it to the best of our ability We'll be right back with CEO and co-founder of Electric E-Bikes, Levi Conlow. You know, relaxation, not just an indulgence. And whatever people think about that subject, I know I need my rest. The times are stressful, relaxing, revitalization, recharging. You know, I really do that at home. But I've stayed at tons of hotels to know the difference in my level of relaxation can be tied to good quality bedding. I mentioned our sponsor today is Brooke Lennon and their sheets pillowcases, bedding are all like a staycation and as good or better than anything I've experienced at really nice hotels. Who says you can't vacation in the comfort of your own home? Brooklinen is here to keep you cozy all summer long with their award-winning sheets and home essentials. According to Wirecutter and Good Housekeeping, Brooklinen has best-in-class bedding. So if you don't trust me or their 100,000 five-star customer reviews, you know these experts have done the research. Brooklinen uses only the highest quality materials for all of their products, such as long-staple cotton. So everything they create is built to last. Brooklinen is the perfect way to build your own indoor oasis to escape the heat. And right now, escaping the heat is number one on our list. The options are endless. So do yourself the favor of simplifying your shopping by bundling bed, bath, and both. You can save time and up to 25% when bundling your new favorite home essentials. We here at our house are using the Brooklinen Luxe Sateen Sheets, Pillowcases, and Duvet, and the sheets are so comfortable that it's a perfect match for my sleep style. I sleep pretty heavily, and I prefer to stay cool to really get my rest. Brooklinen Sheets are soft, luxurious, comfortable, and cool. So, Shop in store or online at brooklinen.com today to give yourself the luxurious sleep you deserve this summer. Use promo code NOB for $20 off your online purchase of $100 or more, plus free shipping on brooklinen.com. That's brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use our promo code NOB. It's the one we always use for $20 off plus free shipping. And now back to our interview with Levi Conlow, CEO and co-founder of Electric E-Bikes. We'll be talking about the environment and energy and how big a role electric e-bikes are playing electrifying American transportation. So stay tuned. 
We're with Levi Conlow. Levi Conlow is the CEO and co-founder of Electric E-Bikes. Levi, in 2022, was named the one of the 30 under 30 by Forbes magazine. Very inspiring story. Very amazing product and company. Just doing some great things. I, uh, I, I really, I'm, I'm so. Um, Grateful for your time, Levi, and and I want to talk about your number one standing. I want to talk about the planet, but I I have a couple questions first about kind of the orientation towards senior products because our our senior audience, our senior market, I think, is one that is um, they're cautious, they're they're safety oriented. You know, a class three bike at twenty eight miles an hour is is going pretty darn fast, and so I wonder what you're thinking about in terms of safety features uh, for electric e-bikes. Um, you know, new tires, for example. Um, you know, puncture-proof kind of stuff. What what's kind of on the on the drawing board, and what do you kind of in your mind think about in regard to safety products that's special for the senior community? Sure, totally. Well, so I think it. It starts with the whole customer journey. So, you know, one of the things we do is we are the only one in the space that all of our bikes show up to the customer fully assembled, ready to ride. So you don't have to put on the front wheel. You don't have to assemble the handlebars or any of that crud. You know, we try to make it as painless as possible. And part of it is a convenience thing. But the other part is like we built bikes like that is our profession is we are a bicycle manufacturer and builder and we know how these things are supposed to be torqued and built and all of that um where if you are not someone that builds you know hundreds of bikes every day uh you may pose a a, a greater risk even to yourself because you may put something together incorrectly or miss a part or something mm-hmm. like that and so i think that's one of the things that kind of doesn't get stated enough is the fact that, you know, we try to make it, all you got to do is pump up the tires and you can just get out there and ride. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is one thing that I think we do a really good job at. You know, when I think seniors in particular, we use 20 inch tires, Mm -hmm. uh, which a makes it more accessible and approachable for you to get on the bike. You know, we, we have the industry's lowest, uh, standover height for a bike. Um, and, uh, our trike is also, you know, one of the lowest just in the whole tricycle industry, not just e-trikes. And so easy, low standover heights makes that simple for someone to get on. But the 20 inch tires also bring down the overall center of gravity and the balancing of a bike that is that much lower to the ground is significantly easier compared to um, other products. So all of our bikes are 20 inch tires uh, and those 20 inch tires are what allow us to be fully assembled. They keep the center of gravity lower, you know, items of that nature, you know, overall just safety features that we do though, is for example, all of our um, bikes we make now uh, have slime pre-installed in the tires. Uh, that was originally driven by a you know, customer uh, customer experience factor rather than a true safety thing. Where you know getting a, a goat head in your in your tire can just happen, and it can sometimes happen on your very first ride. And mm. you know we had seen some customers on their very first ride 
have to walk their bike back because mm-hmm. they got a thorn in it. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's just a bummer. No, I don't <laughs> want a customer to have to do that. And especially like we would tell customers, you know, as soon as you get your bike, you should put slime in it. And then eventually we were like, you know, we're trying to make this like as ready to go as possible. Let's just do that on our end. So we made that investment and pre-installed all tires with them. And that helps reduce it. Um, you know, the likelihood significantly, but then we just partner partner with Tannis armor, mm-hmm. which offers like a Kevlar like solution, uh, as a, you know, material between your tube and your tire, which will basically make it completely impenetrable. I actually was just, uh, in Kenya and I did a project, uh, distributing some of our cargo bikes over there mm-hmm. and we pre-installed those there because you know, there's a lot of barbed wire and glass and all sorts of things that can, uh, you know, uh, puncture your tire. And so like that gave us peace of mind of like, we're bringing these bikes there, but we're going to make them, you know, unstoppable basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's another thing, but then we also, you know, I think do a really good job on our component tree selection. So, uh, just in terms of the quality, so well go pedals, you know, pro wheel cranks on all of our bikes still, uh, we use, um, well now I believe something along the lines of 90% of all of our bikes now have hydraulic brakes on them. Hmm. Um, and especially all of our heavier bikes, it's just our lightest weight one that doesn't technically need it because, uh, it's only 40 pounds, 46 pounds, but you know, for example, the flagship 3.0 has hydraulic brakes on it. And that's, so that's a pretty expensive component. Like if you were to buy hydraulic brakes with a motor inhibitor system outright, you would probably be dropping about $200 on it. Mm-hmm. And we added them to our bikes free of charge. And we retroactively offered it to all of our 45,000 customers that already had the 3.0. We offered it to them for free of charge. And that's just us a caring about our branding and we want our very best foot forward, you know, with our riders out there, but B it does provide a better, cleaner, more, uh, stable braking experience. Uh, and that is like, that is something that is crucial when it comes to designing a bike, especially a bike that carries, you know, two people at the same time, or has a 300 and, you know, 50 pound, uh, load carrying capacity, like those things, uh, really can't be stated enough. So, mm-hmm. um, those are some of the main product designs, but then you can also just go into our tech as well. Uh, you know, we use name brand battery cells, LG, Samsung brands that, you know, people are familiar with, um, you know, battery management systems inside of our chargers and our batteries, uh, we, yeah, we, I want to be able to sleep well at night and <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I can't be doing that if I, if I don't have the utmost confidence in my product design. And often an e-bike is just a cultivation of the componentry that you select. And as long as you make good componentry selection, you can make a really awesome e-bike. Well, good on you for, for the construction, for the tech uh, for going to Kenya, all of that is really great stuff, Levi Conlo. And 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 I wonder if you'd if you'd say to our audience, many of whom might 
you know, be very interested in ordering electric e-bike offline, I, I just would really encourage it. But what would you say to them about the question of service? You know, sure. do they get local service? Do they get service online? How does the service element work? Because I think that's also a hallmark of, of your company about how well you do that. Thank you. Yeah. So we have, you know, since day one, which I kind of already hit on is our approach and our desire was to be able to have more or less like 24 seven coverage. Like we want to surprise people with how quick we get back to them. And, you know, there's with the rate of which we've been growing, um, we have made the same investment into our customer service and continued to build out that team. And so we have, you know, a, a customer support team that will answer your emails, your DMs on Instagram or Facebook, uh, your phone calls, all of that fun stuff. Uh, but the way we see it is it's our job to serve you as a customer and help figure out the solution. And so we have shipped over 350,000 bikes, I believe, are out there in circulation right now throughout the U.S. and Canada. What? And in order to you know, be that successful. Um, and especially about 50% of all of our bikes come from word of mouth and referral. You got to get really good at customer service and customer experience when you're remote, because only about 10,000 of those 350,000 bikes are in the Phoenix area where mm -hmm. we're based out of. <laughs> and so we've partnered with groups like Beeline who make it really easy for us to onboard existing bike shops, provide them training, and then provide them direct direct access to my bike techs in order to provide them parts or um, just information on how to work on our bikes as well. And we have, I believe, almost 500 um, partner bike shops throughout the United States. So you can go on our website, type in your zip code, and it will show you the bike shops that are you know, electric service center certified. Um, so that's one of the big things, you know, in, t in terms of the tech, uh, we tried to make all that incredibly easy. Um, you know, we have, uh, maybe something happens with your display and, and you crash it and you broke your display, you know, instead of having to rewire it, uh, completely, we create a very easy quick plug at the top and all it takes is two screws. You unplug it, plug it in the new one and put the two screws back in and the whole thing can be done in about 120 seconds. And that is being done on the front end of our, of our product design. So we try to make all the electronics really easy to a access and be service. Um, so that is one of the things that kind of helps people at have peace of mind. Um, but at the end of the day, an e-bike is very similar to a bicycle. And especially when you look at the mechanical componentry uh, on our bike, you service them and you treat them just the same as you would a uh, traditional bicycle. Um, and so you got to be mindful of your wear and tear items, of course, um, but it, it really doesn't need to be all that much additionally daunting um, to, to own an e-bike. Uh, but my team definitely tries to make it as a uh, you know, painless as possible. You know, if you did, let's say, need your motor swapped out and you weren't comf comfortable, you know, dropping it out of the axle and putting it in, you know, what our warranty covers is we will, A, 
send the part, but we'll also orchestrate and organize a local bike shop to put that part in. And then we pay for the, um, service to be done. And, uh, the reason, and, you know, people ask how we can afford it. It's, pretty simple you just design stuff that doesn't break that often so then you don't have to cough up the uh the bike shop fee all that often so um that's kind of how we approach service as a whole though Mm -hmm. yeah again congratulations levi conlow has been our guest today i i just you know i love the product it's really wonderful but i've got a final question for you levi i want to talk a little bit about the environment i know this is an important subject to you i saw this really amazing graphic over the weekend in in the new york times and the graphic was uh and we'll put a link so their audience can actually see this I'll, i'll try to describe it as best i can but really the title of the graphic is out on the road with nowhere to plug in the theme is automobiles that are ev and don't have a charging station. You guys have already overcome that. You're the number one transportation solution for e-bikes. 350,000 of them sold for bikes and trikes, more than Ford, VW, GM, Honda, all of these amazing companies with huge advantages over electric e-bike. I wonder what are you going to do to grow this number for our environment? Because if we care about a sustainable future, if we care about the environment, embracing an e-bike is a good way to do that. How do you plan on accomplishing that? And what's a timeline, a good timeline for getting this number up? And uh, where is this all going over the course of the next 24 months to 36 months? Yeah, for sure. Well, so if I just look at the company, you know, we have done, you know, we've only been around for four years now. And to be at 350,000 bikes out on the road, it's really good, you know, initial signs. But in my mind, it's very much early innings of this industry, Mm -hmm. right? When you look at our counterparts over in Europe, you know, we'll see places like Germany and the Netherlands where 50% of all the bicycles sold there are already electric. Uh, Europe as a whole is north of 30% when you look at that. Here in the U.S., you know, we're only at about 5% of all the bicycles sold are electric. And so there's a massive amount of growth that needs to happen here. And a lot of it's just awareness and it's letting your friend try out your bike and mm-hmm. then they become a little bike curious and then they get their own and then they help grow, grow the community and all that fun stuff. So, you know, I think that's one of the things is it just needs more time. We need to continue to push the envelope of getting more bikes out there, but you know, kind of what I had hit on a lot of electrics history so far was being driven by really just one product design. And, you know, we are not, done yet. We have a lot more product innovation that we need to do, right? We weren't capturing and helping the customer that wanted to ride an electric trike. There were not any good options, period, in the in the industry prior to us coming out. And we came out with A, the lowest price trike in the industry, but B, a really good 48-volt system. It arrives fully assembled. It has hydraulic brakes, whatever. So as you know, electric has provided more time to do to develop product. We're going to be able to create more solutions that capture some of those customers where my existing product portfolio isn't doing right now. And so that's definitely a, a core focus of ours right now. But yeah, with you know, I think when people start to even just try an e-bike for a 
the very first time, it can be really quick to realize how easily it can fit into your life, how you can quickly go to the corner store to pick up milk or your medications or whatever on an e-bike. You don't need to jump in a car. And if we're, if we want to electrify the planet, I'm all for the electrification of transportation. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I have an electric car. I have an electric motorcycle. Those are great solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I think of it, my electric car uses about 400 watt hours per mile. I go, my e-bike only uses about 20 watt hours per mile. Hmm. And so what does that mean? Well, there's this huge range of like type of trips that we do in our everyday life. And do I always need a 4,000 pound vehicle to move me from point A to point B? You know, I, I don't believe so. And when we can make some smarter decisions and the tools that we use for our transportation, you know, the, the planet benefits. There is, you know, raw materials that are used and that are in some cases limited, you know, for the, uh, latest, uh, design of the Chevrolet Silverado, um, truck, the, the new electric truck, you can create, uh, something along the lines of like 350 or 300 plus of our bikes Hmm. uh, with the same amount of cells that are used in that. And in my mind, that's moving 350 people rather than just moving one person. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I want electric to be about is to be able to say we've impacted and, and changed the way people have moved. And, and we've had good signs. When I think of 2022, it was a smashing success with over 150,000 bikes out in one year. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, like you were kind of alluding to, that was, we electrified the transportation of more <laughs> Americans than Ford, GM, uh, Honda, Hyundai, BMW, Volkswagen, Lucid, and Rivian combined. The only... Wow group that electrified more Americans than us in 2022 was Tesla. And mm-hmm. I, and if you look at the individual model units, the electric XP uh, still, even in 2023, is a clear number three. And actually, I'd, I'd like to take the number two spot, but <laughs> third most old EV in the United States, only behind the Tesla Model 3 and Model Y. Hmm. Um, so like e-bikes can be a very real solution, but people just kind of need to take that chance and give it a try. And then they'll realize the water is warm and there's so many ways that you can, you know, replace some of those trips with an e-bike. It's super fun. Levi Conlo, so well said and such a joy to speak with you. I couldn't agree more. Good for the environment and, and just plain fun. This is all good stuff. Uh, I just want to encourage our audience to check out Electric E-Bikes. We'll put links so that everybody can find out more information about Levi Conlow. 30 under 30 and uh, just an inspiring uh, CEO doing some very cool things. Levi, thanks. Congrats. My best to you and your dad and your mom and all your yeah. family and your company. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate the time. Thank you. My thanks to Levi Conlow, CEO and co-founder of Electric Bikes. My thanks to the Smithsonian for all they do to support the show. My thanks, of course, to you, our wonderful audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe, and let's talk about better. 
the Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week.